Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. We are in our series. Oh, if we haven't met yet, my name's Dan. Um, I'm one of the pastors here along with my wife, Liz. And uh, we're in a series called Encounter, where we're looking at some stories of how people, just like you and me, have encountered Jesus and how that's been life-changing for them. Um, And so we're looking at these stories of how we can encounter Jesus too. It's not just these stories in the Bible that happened a long time ago and they'll never happen to us. We can encounter Jesus in the same way that these people are. There's this boy named Liam, and he and his dad, they were at home um, together in their house, and Liam was playing quietly somewhere, you know, dad kind of forgot about him, he was uh, doing some lawn stuff, and um, he came inside and started cleaning the house a little bit, and then he noticed that there was like complete silence in the house, which, uh, this little boy, he was five, and and if you're a parent of a five-year-old and there's complete silence in the house, then you know you probably have trouble. And so he went searching for Liam. He's like, Liam, where you at, buddy? And so he couldn't find him. He searched in the living room, dining room, wasn't there. Went to his bedroom, lights were off, it was dark in there. Peeked in, no one's in there. Uh, went to the playroom, no one's in there. Then he started to get worried. He's like, oh boy, the house is empty. Did he go outside and I didn't notice it? So he goes outside. Looks in the front yard, backyard. They live on a busy street, so dad's a little bit worried. Then he can't find him outside, so he goes back inside. He's like, Liam, where are you at? No answer. Opens the closet door, the hall closet door. He's not in there. He, he's like, oh, you know what? His, his bedroom was dark. I'll go back in there. He turns on the light in his bedroom. Still not in there. Maybe he's hiding, so he looked under the bed. And as he looked under the bed, he heard, I'll do the sound for you from the closet. He's like, oh, he's in the closet. So he opens the closet, and there's Liam in the pitch dark closet with his Halloween candy bowl in his lap and a thousand empty candy wrappers all around him. And he looked up at his dad and he said, hi dad, I was hungry. And dad was not pleased. Why do we do things in the dark? Why, do we do, why, why are most crimes committed in the dark after night, after the sun goes down? It's because we don't want to get caught, right? We don't want to be seen for what we're doing, just like Liam had. Well, we've got this guy in the Bible that has an encounter with Jesus. And he comes to Jesus in the cover of darkness. Not because he doesn't want to be seen by Jesus, but probably because he doesn't want to be seen by others. And also because... It's a part of the poetry that Scripture has for us. As we'll find out, his, not only does he come in dark, but he's living in darkness. So today we're going to be reading from John chapter 3. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 3. If you've got a device, turn there as well. I'll be reading from the NLT today. So I'm going to read um, 1 through 8 for us. There's a man named Nicodemus a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go into his mother's womb and be born again? 
Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. It's going to be helpful for us to know who Nicodemus is and was. His story begins here as he encounters Jesus in the dark. And the last time we hear of him, he is uh, assisting in the burial of Jesus. And he brings 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes, which is enough. That's what you would bury a king with. So Nicodemus comes to us in the dark, comes to Jesus in the dark. And by the end of the story, we're still not sure if he chooses to follow Jesus. We don't think that he does. Um, the next time we hear about him, it's at Jesus' trial. And Nicodemus speaks up kind of for Jesus, kind of for Jesus, and says, uh, you know what, maybe we shouldn't just kill this guy. Let's give him a fair trial. And then by the end, Nicodemus is recognizing Jesus as king. He was, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader. Um, before his encounter with Jesus, and he believed that if he and all of Israel could just follow God's law, do enough good things, that God would send the Messiah to bring back Israel's prosperity, to overthrow the Roman government so that they could be uh, their own nation again. If they could just follow God's law, that's what God would do. And don't we believe that sometimes? If we could just do enough good, then God will bless us. Or maybe we believe the opposite, where we're like, you know what, this week I had an awful week, I sinned so much, God's, God can't bless me through that. God's not, God's not going to look at me favorably. He can't love me for this. Um, but the truth is that we've been adopted into Jesus' family as his kids. And Jesus is quick to forgive us and always looks at us with grace and kindness. And that's a whole nother sermon. But Nicodemus, he's a man that loves morality. And in his heart, he wants to see the Messiah come. That's a desire of his heart. He's just confused about who the Messiah is and how he's going to come. He thinks he's going to be a political savior, one only for the Jewish people. And Jesus is going to show him that the answer and light Uh, that Jesus is the answer and light for not just politics and not just the Jews, but for everyone in every aspect of life. And he's a savior, not just for the Jewish people, but all people. And he is the light of the world, savior of all. But at this time, Nicodemus' heart is dark, but it finds hope. And he's drawn to the light light of Jesus by the end of the story. You'll notice Um, that in chapter 3, in the first verse, it starts with darkness. Nicodemus comes to Jesus in darkness. And at the very end of this section in verse uh, 18 through 21, there are these verses about darkness and light, people moving from darkness to light, moving from uh, sin to forgiveness of sin and being in the light of Jesus. That's That's a... 
uh, a poetic form that uh, Greek can take on, where you open with one thing and you close with the other and they're related and you know that that section is, is kind of bracketed off. And so uh, that's a very intentional, poetic way that this scripture is given to us from darkness into light. And so this starts out with Nicodemus uh, confessing that Jesus is not that he is God, but that he is from God, which is a, a, a cool thing. And also he, he's respectful. He calls, calls him a rabbi. So he's coming in respect to Jesus. And he's seen with his own eyes Jesus' miracles. He's heard Jesus' teachings. And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus uh, in darkness, perhaps to find out, like, is Jesus... The Messiah, like he's doing all these Messiah things, is he actually the Messiah? Is he going to overthrow the Roman government and bring Jerusalem back to a place of prominence? And so knowing that Nicodemus doesn't quite get it, Jesus responds to, to Nicodemus. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Which is a weird thing to say, Jesus. Like, Born again, we have a definition for that, but, but that's because we are 2,000 years later and we've defined that for ourselves. But for Nicodemus to hear this, this is weird. And so he doesn't understand that. So he says, what, what do you want me to do? Go be born of my mom again? No, we, we can't do that. And so Jesus replied, I assure you no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. And so as soon as, as, soon as Jesus says that, that born of the water and the spirit, something happens in Nicodemus's head uh, that, that's recalled. And I'll get to that in a little bit. But he goes on and he says, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the spirit. Two things are happening here. One, there's some more poetry. And two, uh, there's a play on words here. There's more poetry, there's a play on words, I'll get to that. And then two, there's a callback to an ancient prophecy that Nicodemus is very familiar with. So let's start with that play on words. Have you guys heard uh, that sentence? Um, this is a real sentence, are you ready for it? Buffalo, buffalo, buffalo. Buffalo, 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 buffalo. So that's a real sentence. Like it's grammatically correct. Here it is. I put it on the screen for you. That's a grammatically correct sentence. What it's saying is that the New York City buffalo, they bully, which is a word, buffalo is a word for bully, other buffaloes, uh, other New York City buffaloes uh, who are bison, you guys see how confusing this is? I'm confused by it. Okay, so New York's, uh, the, the city in New York, Buffalo, they bully other Buffalonians uh, who are bison and who they themselves also bully. You can go to the next slide. It explains a little bit at the bottom. Um, so grammatically correct, those are all words that sound the exact same, but they all mean different things. Um, each word means something different. And that's what we have going on here in Greek. So the word used for spirit and wind is the exact same word, um, pneuma. 
It can only mean, and, and it can mean actually one more thing, it can also mean breath. So this word pneuma can mean spirit, wind, and breath in Greek. And so as we, we can reread this scripture, kind of inserting that word pneuma in Greek, uh, he says, I assure you no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the pneuma, breath, wind, spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, and the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say to you, you must be born again. The pneuma blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the pneuma, but can't tell where it comes or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit, pneuma, the wind, the breath, the Spirit. So we have this play on words, and so as Jesus is speaking, he's kind of bringing all these images up. Um, so we see this imagery of how God is breathing his spirit onto people, like an unpredictable wind. We're drawn out of darkness into the light of Jesus, where he transforms us by the power of his spirit into something so new, so unpredictable. It's like having a rebirth, a new birth. We're a new person, a new creation, as other parts of the Bible say. What's really fascinating about this is that it's not just a play on words in Greek, but that same thing, that same uh, thing is happening in Hebrew. So the Bible, the New Testament is written in Greek. The Old Testament written in Hebrew. And so the Old Testament word, for that same thing, wind, spirit, breath, is ruach. And so there's this imagery of this new birth in the Old Testament as well. I told you when I was reading that scripture, uh, born of the water and spirit, that, um, that Nicodemus immediately thought of something in his brain because he had Ezekiel memorized. And so it's, this is something that we would miss, probably you and I would miss if it wasn't for that nice little footnote in many of our Bibles that says, Ezekiel 36 right there. But for Nicodemus, as a teacher, as a Jewish teacher, as um, a devout Jew growing up, he would have had Ezekiel memorized. And he would have immediately, when he heard Jesus say, born of the water and the spirit, and the spirit that gives life, that gives birth to spiritual life, it would have triggered in his mind, involuntarily, this passage in Ezekiel 36. So we're going to turn there in a second. Let me give you some background on Ezekiel. It's written in two parts. Uh, the first part up to, uh, through chapter 33 is kind of doom and gloom. Israel has sinned, and they've messed up bad. They've gone against God. And so there's kind of this thing where it's like, okay, we've messed up so bad, God has every right to leave us, to desert us. Like, we don't deserve his love anymore, and he has every right to leave us because we've messed up so bad. But then in the second half of Ezekiel, starting in chapter 34, there's this beautiful narrative of how God is not going to leave them. Not because they did anything to deserve his love, but because he just loves them. It's who he is. In Hosea, we have this passage where God says, my heart recoils within me. Like, how could I abandon you? Just that thought, my heart recoils within me. And furthermore, not only his love, but... Um, he wants them to be an example of who he is to the world. That he's a forgiving, gracious God, slow to anger and full of compassion. And so the second half of Ezekiel is all about God's hope 
for Israel and his hope for the rest of the world. So we get to Ezekiel 36, 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. These are the verses that are coming right back to Nicodemus' mind. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new ruach spirit in you. Wind, breath, spirit. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my ruach, my spirit, my wind, my breath in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then we can jump over to Ezekiel 37. Same thing's happening here. Uh, Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord has said to these bones. I will make breath, ruach, enter you. And you will come to life. And I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put ruach, spirit, breath, wind in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Many of, many of you have experienced this life, this new life, God's breath, God's spirit, God's wind of direction entering you. You've experienced that. And that's available to every one of us. We leave, or maybe we're pulled out of our darkness and into Jesus' light. This is, as Jesus puts it in verse 6, the Holy Spirit of God giving birth to spiritual life. And Nicodemus, he's still missing it. He's still missing what Jesus is saying. Jesus' focus is on the rebirth of our souls, spiritual renewal, that the Spirit is breathing new life into us. And Nicodemus, he's focused on the physical things, on Israel being restored to its former glory, that it would be a world power again. He wants the Roman government to be overthrown. He wants the prosperity of Jerusalem to be as it once was at the peak of when it was in Solomon's time. For the Pharisees, for Nicodemus, this spiritual renewal was necessary, but it was just a means to an end. Because at the beginning of that second half of Ezekiel, they get spiritual renewal. But after that spiritual renewal, they get this like new, awesome city that God provides for them. So spiritual renewal for them, they want it, but only as a means to an end. The things of Ezekiel, it's everything that Nicodemus wants. He wants with his whole heart to see the kingdom of God come, to make broken things right. But his view is narrow. It's only for Jerusalem. It's only for the Jews. And the spiritual renewal, like I said, is just a means to an end. But it's made clear in Ezekiel and proven through Jesus that this spiritual renewal is not earned, but it is given. It's just a simple gift. God breathes his spirit into us. It's renewal by God's doing, not our own. There's no effort we can put forth to earn that. And so at this point, he's still confused. Nicodemus, he still doesn't understand. And so he asks that question, how are these things possible? He's no longer questioning whether a grown man can be physically birthed. Um, Again, he's not questioning that anymore. He's specifically referencing the things that Jesus mentioned. 
How are these things that you're talking about right here, the spiritual renewal, how is this possible? This question could be taken in all sorts of ways. I don't know exactly what he meant. Maybe he was saying, how are the things of Ezekiel possible in our day and age? How is spiritual renewal possible? What checklist items do I need to do to to achieve spiritual renewal? Maybe he's asking how it's going to happen, if it's going to happen now. How could it happen like Israel hasn't done enough good things to appease God yet? Whatever he means by his question, it doesn't really matter. He clearly isn't picking up what Jesus is laying down. And Jesus lets him know in the next passage. He responds in verse 10, 11, and 12. He says, Nicodemus, buddy, you just don't get it. You've got all this great education. You've had a great upbringing. You've got all this knowledge, but you still don't get it. So Jesus keeps on explaining. This is in uh, 13, verse 13. Jesus says, No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And now, all this, this whole story leads up to this moment, the the most famous passage, perhaps, in the whole Bible, John 3, 16. Here we go. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. With these words, Jesus makes it so clear to Nicodemus and to us that spiritual renewal is for everyone. And it's the main thing. It doesn't matter what family you were born in, what tribe you belong to, what country you live in. His eternal life for us, his eternal life is for us, for everyone. Anyone can move out of darkness and into Jesus' light to experience spiritual renewal. And this bit about Moses, it's pretty interesting, um, where it's uh, lifted up, uh, where, they, where he says that Mo, uh, the snake was lifted up on a stick. Um, Nicodemus immediately knows exactly what that means. Um, for us, we might not. So it's back in Numbers 21. You don't have to turn there, but in Numbers 21, uh, the Israelites are walking through the wilderness, and they keep getting bit by poisonous snakes. And some of them die. And so Moses needs a solution to this. God says, here's what you got to do, Moses. Make a bronze snake and put it on a pole. And anyone who looks at this snake will live. That easy. And so that happens. So they uh, make the bronze snake. And then everybody who looks at it, they, um, they're healed completely. Now, Jesus... He's not only comparing himself to Moses, but he's saying he's greater than Moses. Of course, that's not really a surprise to us, but to Nicodemus, this was pretty close to a form of blasphemy. Like, Moses was the man. You know, you don't compare yourself to Moses. This might be like if a politician got up today and said, I'm greater than Abraham Lincoln. Vote for me. I think that's probably political suicide. Like, you can't, you can't say you're greater than, a, than Abraham Lincoln. And so, 
Um, that's kind of what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, I'm the greater Moses. Because he's saying, everybody that believes in me is healed, is forgiven. Friends, we've all been bitten with the poison of sin. We've all gone against God in some way or another. And that's sin. When we go against God, that's sin. And we need to be cured of that. Jesus here is claiming that he is the remedy, that whoever believes in him has eternal life. And he's not just speaking about a future thing. He doesn't say will have eternal life. He, ha- he says has eternal life. That's a, the, each uh, word in Greek has a, a present or a past or a future. You can tell by the ending of the word. And so for this, it is a present Uh, a present word that is has eternal life and so he's not just speaking about a future thing we can have this life with jesus starting now it's not just like okay we we get a future promise and we twiddle our thumbs and we wait till heaven and then we can be with jesus we get to have this kingdom life now it starts here and now at life we call this life in the kingdom of god Jesus says elsewhere, he says, make the kingdom your main priority in Matthew. Make the kingdom your main priority. Where instead of our selfish desires on on our throne ruling our lives, Jesus is on that throne, guiding our life. And we submit to his will. He has put his ruach, his pneuma in us. He's put his wind of direction for us to follow. He's put his breath in us, bringing us from certain death to abundant life. And he gives us his spirit, producing this new spiritual life, a rebirth for us. So what does all this mean for us? Nicodemus, he's got a narrow view of who the Messiah is and who the kingdom of God is for. And honestly, I don't blame him. That's what, he, that's what he grew up in. He just doesn't understand it yet. I don't judge him for that. And I think he comes around later. I know he comes around later as he treats Jesus' burial as, as Jesus is a king. And I don't think there's anyone in here who would say, you know what, my neighbor, they don't mow their yard enough and so they don't deserve the kingdom of God. No one's going to say that, right? Or uh, you're not going to say, you know, my neighbor doesn't, shouldn't have the kingdom of God in their life or spiritual renewal because they belong to the wrong political party. We're not going to say that. But, you know, we, we go through life not paying attention to his words that he is for the whole world. How many people do we come in contact with every day that not only need spiritual renewal, but they're looking for it. They want spiritual renewal. It seems like a big task. And no one's, no one's asking you to go over to Schnooks after church and tell everyone there about Jesus. That, that might be a little weird, and probably maybe not following the Spirit. Um, but, uh, yeah, don't, don't go do that. But um, there, there's an easier way. I think there's a more helpful way. And maybe not easier, because it is hard, but a simpler way. And that's just simply to ask Jesus, Spirit, where... Who do you want me to pray for today? Who do you want me to pray for? So as you wake up in the morning, as you're on your way to work, as you're dropping the kids off at school, who do you want me to pray for? And maybe that comes as just a pray you're praying for them by yourself, or 
Maybe that comes like you see someone in the grocery store and you strike up a little conversation and they tell you about something bad going on in their life. You say, hey, can I take a minute to pray for you? It can be that simple, that we are aware that we want to be a part of what the Spirit is doing, bringing spiritual renewal. We want to be aware and ready to bring that. There's going to be times when, as you pray that prayer, you're going to feel led to pray for someone, maybe a stranger, maybe a friend, a coworker, one of your kids, an acquaintance, a family member. We've got to follow the Spirit's lead in that. He wants to encounter everyone. And oftentimes, he uses us to do that. For those of you that feel spiritually in the dark, and you want spiritual renewal, like Jesus is talking about, you're invited into this renewing light. Jesus says, come, follow me, come into the light. That's, um, we don't have time to dive deep into it now, but that's where verses 18 through 21 come in, that we can move from the darkness into the light, as Nicodemus did. Friends, we're made to live with Jesus. We've been given his ruach, his pneuma, his spirit, his breath, his wind, and we can live every day with him. He's put, us, he's put his wind of direction in us, his breath to bring us to true life, and his spirit that's constantly renewing us. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the story that we have of Nicodemus. God, it's got a narrow view of the world, kind of like we do a lot of times. And A, we just we want to say, open up our mind to what you're doing, not what we want or what we think is best, but what you are doing in our lives. We want to follow that. Jesus, we say yes to you. We say that we, we believe in you. We want to follow where you're going. We want to follow your unpredictable wind. We trust you. Lead us into your mission for the world. Jesus, we love you. Amen. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org. lifemohammed.org.